You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standick, Bridge Rolly with you here until noon. Uh, the Nats. Mets wrap up their series at 135. Right now, though, we're bringing in my colleague from the Washington Commanders Beat, who also not only is he, did he cover Dwayne Haskins here, he's an Ohio State fanatic who rooted for Dwayne Haskins uh, as a member of the Buckeyes, and uh, why it's really good to get uh, John Kime with us here to give us that perspective of having covered the 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 person, the player, and also rooted for this guy and had that sort of emotional connection. John, obviously, it's tough. Tough time for everybody here, and and I'm sure you uh, went through a lot yesterday as you heard this news. I guess just for you as a guy who covered Dwayne Haskins and then also rooted for him at Ohio State, what was uh, what did you think when you when you heard the sad news? Well, <clears throat> so I got a phone call before it came out about it, and just like that, it was someone else that just said, "I think something happened to Dwayne," and then so you know, you're thinking like, this can't be real. And I did a quick search on Twitter and there were a couple of people saying RIP. I'm like this, maybe this, they, maybe they heard some false rumor. This can't be real. You know, you would, I just seen some pictures from him in Florida yesterday or like the day, the night before or whatever. And so I texted somebody close to Dwayne. I said, I'm seeing these weird tweets. Is he okay? And the answer was shook me. And, um, then the news started coming out <clears throat> and it was, it's very tough because you're right. Like as an Ohio state fan, I got to know quote unquote him through his performance for my alma mater. And you got to learn about him through videos of him saying he wanted to go there and stories about him and his sister. And then getting to know him, as you know, we have, we get to know these players at a different level. It's not just what people see on a TV clip. You're in the locker room with them. And so you get to know them and you get to know about them a little bit more. And so where your mind goes to is I can't imagine being a parent, getting that phone call. I can't imagine his sister, how she feels and his wife. And you you immediately don't go from, you know, you go to those things. So that's where, and it just, and it just, it just becomes very, it's, it's just, it's tough. I think it's tough for anybody who, you know, who knew, who knows anybody who goes through something like this. But so it was, it was, um, yeah. So that that's kind of what it was like. And it, you know, tough day. John, what stands out to you um, about your interactions with Haskins? Uh, anything in particular? <clears throat> um, a couple of things. The thing that a lot of people will talk about is when, when, when Dwayne was right, when he had that confidence, he, there was a different glow about him and there was a smile and all that. And you could just feel that. And I always liked that. And I even remember telling him 
Because, you know, again, I watched because you because I watched him at Ohio State, you saw that the impact he could have on his teammates like that. I remember before they played a game in Buffalo, I just, this is when we could stand on the sidelines. And I'm like, and I started to see him going to him. So I think that was his first start. Um, and you could see like, oh, wow, there's that vibrancy that I'm used to. And I remember even saying something about him at, to him afterward. And they lost the game, but he played well. And, you know, he just, he kind of glowed. He's like, I felt that. And so like, you know, it just, I remember like, he just, I, I enjoyed seeing that smile because that's, that's when you knew he was at his best. And then the other parts too, um, some people aren't always as comfortable in a group interview setting. So what I really liked with Dwayne was getting a chance to sit down with him on the couch, outside the weight room with a one-on-one. And you talked to him for 10 minutes or so. But I always enjoyed those because I felt like he provided a different level of insight into him, into his game, into his world. And so you felt like you got to know him a little bit more. And I always liked, like, I like, I enjoyed dealing with him because he, he was, I always felt he was respectful to me and he, he would, he would call me by name. And so, you know, you bump into a locker room and you, you know, say, you know, just little, a little exchange. Right. And so things like that. And it wasn't like there were a ton of those, but that's what it, you know, but you got it. You just get a little bit of a sense of somebody in, in some of those, those little interactions. And, and that's, kind of you know what we took and i think like as ben would know and you would know too like anybody if you've been in a locker room this is that's just a normal way for the media right that you do get to know these guys through some of these little interactions and you know not to the maybe not to the level that um you would always like um but but you still get to know them and you get to appreciate who they are um, and you get to know more of their story that way and so those that was that's kind of what i take we're talking with John Keim, uh, ESPN's Commanders reporter, who also hosts the great podcast, The John Keim Report. And John, I did mention this earlier, like, th- there's always this talk about during this pandemic about a reporter's going to get back in the locker room, and some people don't understand right. why. This is a good example as to why, right. because if we just are only observing the player, look, Obviously, things didn't unfortunately work out for everybody here in Washington for Dwayne. He had a great career at Ohio State, but it didn't as much here. And if you only viewed him on that level, which is what when you keep us out of the locker room is kind of what becomes of that. But when you get in the locker room, then you get to see the person. You get to have those off the record moments where you get talk to the actual person. I mentioned to Britt that you know Dwayne and I were both uh, grew up at you know at times in Montgomery County we talked about that a little bit you obviously had the Ohio State connection and how important that is to get to know the person that helps shape our coverage how it helps fans get to know these people and just how important that is well it is and and um and for them to get to know us and to know what we're about too and you know it's funny there was a story long ago when LeVar Arrington was there um he came up to a couple of us out we were sitting outside the the facility and he just kind of said, you know, you guys don't really know who I am and whatever. And one of the reporters said, LeVar, I've been covering this team for X number of years. I bet you don't even know my name. And LeVar looked and was like, you're right. And from that time on, he knew the name, right? And he got – and so I think it was that you realize that it's important for them to get to know us too. And um, I think in a case like this, because a lot of what we've heard, you want – you should always view somebody as more than just what their job is. 
And this gives us that ability to say, like some of these little interactions we had, you can humanize them. And that's how you're able to do it. And, you know, we can humanize them in stories. And again, like I go back to when he was at Ohio State, there was the one that touched, touched me quite deeply, even at the time, and especially yesterday, was this uh, Big Ten Network special on him and his sister and him going back to visit his sister, surprise his sister as she was going, getting ready for a, a play. And, you know, those are things that, you know, but sometimes those interactions, like doing those kind of stories leads from little interactions in the locker room. And you learn things about somebody as a person by doing that. And it allows us to, as everybody you know wants, is you want to humanize them, not demonize, humanize. And, you know, so that, that's, that's one way that you can do that through those little interactions. It doesn't just become about what did you do on this play, you know, because that's, you know, in the end, that's you know, whatever, you know, that's part of the job. But throughout the week, you do get a chance to present, present people as more than just a player. And so I think it's good for us. I think it's good for them. And I think it's good for the public to know that. And you understand, like, people don't understand always what we have to do. And I understand, you know, get that. It's a, you know, it's a little bit different, but it is a way for us to present different sides to to everybody. And there's so much now. Again, like I think that's the thing I've enjoyed the most with getting to know people out there as to the things that they like to do away from football or things that you know that shaped who they are as as people, and maybe it shaped how they got to where they did. But there's such, you know, I remember writing about Capri Bibbs and him growing up living at times with 22, you know, 22 family members in one house and the, and how that, what that was like and, you know, things like that. And it's like, it just, it allows you to present um, another look and somebody can look at that and read that. And we've all written those kind of stories. You can read that and say like, you, you learn something about him as a person. And so when you're rooting for them, you're rooting not just for the guy to get five yards because he's a player, but maybe you read something about him that, pulls you in to his story and invests you in his story and or their story um, and, and makes you want to root for them more or just gives you a different appreciation for them. Talking to John Keim, uh, ESPN. So much great stuff, John. Is there anything over this past 24 hours that you, you've learned about him as a person that, that has come out in talking to people that maybe you didn't know or, or you didn't realize before? Not, not really, Britt, because there's – I mean, I think because I followed his career very closely, you knew a lot of this and you heard a lot of it. And I did so much stuff, stories on him, you know, leading up to the draft, after the draft. Um, what I think, I don't think this surprised me, but what I did learn is that even people who had worked with him and all that in the past, how much they still, like, you know, maybe they had to do this, but they still liked him. They, they considered him kind-hearted. People, you know, there. I think there was a, so they were still from afar rooting for him, even if it didn't work out with them. And that's, you know, and, which I think is always good to see um, and hear. But I don't know that I necessarily learned anything as much as maybe solidified some of what you already knew. Um, we're talking with uh, John Kime from ESPN, covers the Commanders. Um, John, give me uh, the Ohio State perspective, because this is – this is where Dwayne's football legacy, for whatever we're going to remember him about, that's where he really shined. Our, our colleague Bill Landis wrote a story and just listed like all the insane records yeah. that he had at Ohio State and still does. And not just that, but how 
he really kind of maybe sh- reshaped how people view the quarterback situation there because it had been since Arch Leister in, what, 82 that there was a first-round yeah. pick. What what did Dwayne do for, for that program? What did his presence mean uh, for a program that's obviously always one of the best ones but maybe it helped uh, redefine it? Yeah, and I think you're right. It did. It ushered in a new style of play because I think that was a big Ryan Day influenced year, and he was play primary play caller. They started going away from what the Urban Meyer offense was into a more wide open attack with with Ryan Day and with Haskins, and they had, you know, so so yeah, it did usher in a different era at Ohio State with quarterbacks, and and I think each year it seems like there's just a different level of quarterback play. He started it. You know, and, and he was that, – that offense, the defense that year wasn't very good. The offense was terrific. But what I remember with him, too, is you go back the previous year because this is the one that if you're an Ohio State fan, like the one um, – um, the one that, you know, it's like there was a play against Michigan. J.T. Barrett gets hurt, and they're losing. And he comes in, he leads on his first drive, a touchdown drive. They had a third and thirteen. And he throws a bullet in on this one little seam route. I was like, I don't know how he stuck it in there, but it was a beautiful throw. And it's like your jaw just dropped. Like, I can't wait to see this kid play a whole season. And so, you know, like that was the introduction um, to him for a lot of people was that game. And they went on and won and he had a key role, but it was that throw was something that if you're, if you ask an Ohio State fan, third and 13, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. And then to watch him, to watch him evolve his junior year, because there were, you know, he had great stats the whole year, but you could see an evolution of his game and just, you know, whether it was the running more or the, um, the, 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 how he was throwing the ball and the kind of offense it was, it was just a lot of fun to watch. So from that standpoint, like the memories of all that are terrific, but you're right. It, I think the significant part is it did usher in a different era for Ohio State football. They've never had quarterback play to this level um, consistently. You know, before you get guys, you'd have some good receivers, you'd have some really good offenses, but the quarterback play was not at a certain level um, as it is now. And I think, again, he, I think, you know, if you're Ryan Day, the significance is you can, you can say, listen, here, look at what, watch what Dwayne, see what Dwayne did. We can do this with you too. So I think there's a lot of things like that. And, um, you know, and again, I don't, you know, I always feel funny talking about some of those memories, but that is the introduction for us. And then again, I always say through that, you got to learn about him more. And, you know, the, again, the sister um, story and, and, and the watching. And before every game, they played a video of him in the Ohio State uniform saying, I'm going to go to that school. And, you know, you, you better believe that resonated with people there. And it always, always will. And I think, like, regardless, what the thing that, that is a shame, like, he was a legend in Columbus, and he always will be. And, um, you know, and I think that's part of what, like, you know, I think about stuff like this. Like, you know, he should have had his sons one day going back to Columbus with him or his kids, whatever he, whenever he had had them going back to Columbus with them so they could get a different appreciation of who their dad was, you know, and that's like those kind of things because he was a legend there. And again, always will be. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch him and that offense that season. Absolutely. Great, great stuff. John Kime, ESPN. Thank you so much for joining us, lending your insight into Dwayne Haskins, his life, his legacy. Um, Really unfortunate 
that we had to even discuss, obviously, uh, the legacy of Dwayne Haskins, but really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We are taking your calls, 800-636-1067. If you have any memories, what you remember about Dwayne Haskins, uh, if you want to chime in on that, on the coverage of it, uh, Ben and I were talking earlier about how we really need to shape the narrative, and John spoke about this a lot, um, him as a human being, because the rest of it is is just so very secondary. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit next segment as well. Richard Rowley, Ben Standing, here with you on 106.7. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the fan all right welcome back sunday morning 1067 the fan rich aroli here with my friend and colleague at the athletic ben standing uh we've been here since nine taking you up until noon before Craig Hoffman has you set until the Nationals game. Nationals trying to get their first win of the season. Uh, they've lost the first three against the Mets. They've got Eric Fetty going uh, in the finale against Carlos Carrasco. Um, you can listen to all of that later today, starting at 1.30 on 106.7 The Fan. But let's switch gears a little because Ben doesn't really like baseball. He does. He tolerates my baseball stuff. But he really wants to talk NFL. He wants to talk draft because he's got a big mock draft for Washington going up tomorrow. 
I tried a couple times to get him to tell me who he's picking. He's going to make me read it. He's going to make all of you read it. But I'm hoping he can share some nuggets anyway about what he thinks is going to happen. Most importantly, with that first pick there at 11, because I think the further down you get, the more it becomes even more chaos, right, Ben? Like, how can you? It's very tough to say what they're going to do. Um, even with the 10 picks in front of them, it's tough to predict what they're going to do at 11. As we get deeper down, um, it becomes almost impossible. But what would constitute a successful draft in Ben Standings book? Well, that's an interesting question, a successful draft. I always, I think we talked about this before. I'm more of a process guy than I am a results guy. Obviously, the results matter. You got to pick the right people and make the right choices. But like, what was the process that led you to get to, to get there? Sometimes, as we unfortunately know, life can get in the way and things don't always work out the way the way you want. Um, what's interesting to me, though, Britt, so since we were on the, we were on the radio, what day last week? Thursday? Friday? No, no, wait, thir- no. Thursday I was on for opening day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Tuesday last week. In between the two times we've been on, Washington lost kick returner DeAndre Carter. He signed with the Chargers, and that has nothing to do with what they will do at 11, but it is a reminder that, like, the depth on this team has taken a hit over time. They still haven't filled – they filled an important hole at quarterback – with Carson Wentz, but a lot of the other positions they have not really addressed. And it does kind of make it a little more complicated to know what they might be doing at 11, because, you know, we've talked all along about, they need another linebacker, which they still do no matter what, but how important is that other linebacker? If you're going to, if Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew were telling us that Cole Holcomb might be the answer, then maybe you don't consider a Devin Lloyd at 11 on any level. If they think that the, uh, Buffalo nickel, that big nickel, nickel back position is what they need. Well, maybe that changes things if Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame is there, if LSU cornerback Derek Stingley is there. But there's also guys who are still available in free agency. Are they just waiting and waiting and waiting, playing out the market? I, I don't, it is very confusing, to be honest, what they're trying to do. So normally by now, they would have had more gaps filled in. They just haven't gotten there yet. So I think we just look at these boards wide receiver, cornerback offensive line like those feel like and and linebacker like those feel like the spots you would likely take but wide receiver and corner are the ones that on the boards are the are the best bets for with the, the better players to be there so that's what would be i think everybody's kind of guess right now is what they do unless somebody falls unexpectedly but i wish they had more holes filled in they've only signed two outside free agents only dallas has signed as few at this point in in, in this process so they could help us out a little bit by signing some guys between now and the first round to help sort of give us a little clue as to what direction they might go in. Yeah, that's a good point. Had they been a little bit more active, it also might be a lot more clear what they were going to do. You're, you're kind of left, and certainly other teams have been not very active, but you kind of expected, this is a, we've talked about this before, a pivotal winter for Ron Rivera. He's heading into his third season. Um, you know, he had more success than I think most people anticipated that first year. They kind of stumble into the playoffs. And then last year, no question about it, is a step back. I mean, there were injuries. They were ransacked by COVID. Um, obviously, just total disarray in that quarterback um, role pretty much all year. But this is a big year for Ron Rivera. A big, like, let's turn the corner on this team. What are we going to look like here? In my mind, he no longer gets that benefit of like building the base. It's th- year three. Let's see some of these results. Um, so I'm a, a little surprised they haven't made more moves to this point. 
Um, are you are you surprised as well, or do you feel like this is just the the pace this organization is going to move at? No, I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I, it's one thing to sort of not be aggressive with the bigger name free agents, but you still need to get the rank and file guys. There's still some sp- starting spots open. Again, there is time, and there are players out there uh, still in free agency. And Ron Rivera at the owners' meeting said to us, he thinks the opportunity to strike is after the draft, which is unusual and took a lot. Of, that comment took a lot of people by surprise. But it is starting to play out that maybe that is what they want to do. Like I said, they're not the only team slow playing for agency, but they're the team we're focusing on. And there are still a bunch of holes out there on this roster. At some point, they'll have to address them. That is part of the draft, but you need some vets as well. Uh, Britt, we're, you know, with the Masters going off here, we are sort of, uh, I'll use the analogy here or, or, or use a term. We're on the back nine here of the show. Uh, we're up till noon. We still have more to discuss, including Matt, Matt, Mets, Nats coming up at 1.30. We'll get your view of that here on 106.7 The Fan. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig, Brick Giroli here with you until noon. Craig Hoffman takes over, then leading into Mets, Nats at uh, 105 pregame here on 106.7 The Fan. Britt, we thought we could sort of tie up the show by just sort of getting into a bunch of things that are happening around town and around sports today. But first we could start off just in the last few minutes. The Nats have, have made a move with the name of a player that I recognize from the team that I care about. Uh, yeah. Hunter Harvey uh, was selected to the Nats uh, bullpen today. They made a move, added him to that big league roster. Um, as Ben alluded, he was an Orioles uh, first round selection 22nd pick back in 2013. Uh, he made his debut in 2019 for the Orioles. Has never really panned out. He struggled to stay healthy. Uh, 27 years old already, which makes me feel uh, very old, Ben. Like he he's just a guy that they kept waiting on in Baltimore, and you know finally you know kind of gave up on. And you know November 2021, uh, the Giants claim him off waivers. The Giants are a team that just loves waiver claims. Loves rotating around trying to find guys they designated him in march uh this year uh march 21st the nationals pick him up now he is part of that big league bullpen jess camarado alluded to this earlier this bullpen is beat up already in game four uh, because their starters haven't gone very deep the nationals starting pitching the rotation has been an issue um what happened on friday with steve ciszak um, getting thrown out of the game after throwing at Francisco Lindor uh, really hurt them as well. So they're they're really thin here, and they're going to see if Harvey, um, who is the son of professional former professional uh, pitcher Brian Harvey, uh, can stick because he's had this talent, he's had this potential. We talked about the draft in the NFL so much. Um, in baseball, it is just such a crapshoot, and Harvey is the latest example of that. This is a guy who people believed in, who got a lot of money, who's been on top prospect lists, who has bounced around for whatever reason, and, you know, maybe he can shine in D.C. Well, that'd be great. You know, look, I remember the Orioles got rid of Kevin Gosman, and I'm sure that didn't come back to bite them at all. So, um, you know, what, what? Well, but they couldn't develop them there. The, the development is key, and Gosman has actually pitched really well with Toronto, um, development is what's going to make or break the Nationals rebuild, right? Can you develop? You know, can, this is why, you know, certain teams, and this happens in football, certain teams are just better at developing players. And in football, it's less as important because they're more finished products by the time they get to the NFL. Um, 
there's no minor leagues in the NFL. But, you know, here in baseball, you've got to develop these guys. And we've seen some flashes of young talent already with the Nationals. They need to take that step forward uh, in order to get out of this rebuilding phase and into the contending phase. Absolutely. And and uh, 135, Carlos Carrasco against Eric Fetty, one of those younger pitchers that Washington's going to need to, you know, take a step up, especially with some of their injuries they have right now with Stephen Strasburg and others uh we've got it's a busy day for the locals we mentioned earlier the wizards wrap up their regular season at 3 30 at charlotte we talked about that earlier with ava wallace the caps uh they got a win yesterday they played today against the bruins this is the brit giroli uh cup here uh 135 the caps scored three in the third against yesterday against the arch rival pittsburgh penguins for a six to three when uh, the Orioles are at Tampa Bay today in what seems like a really fair pitching matchup, Tyler Wells against Corey Kluber. That that seems pretty, pretty uh, you know, anybody's game right there based on that pitching matchup. So good luck to uh, the Orioles. Um, so, yeah, uh, the busy, busy day. By the way, the Masters, Britt, I know you're a huge golf person. Uh, Masters going on, final round. Tiger Woods is on the course. Talked about him earlier. Look, he's not going to contend for this for this uh, another green jacket totally fine he's obviously a huge winner of the weekend regardless just the fact that he's able to play but it looks like based on the current leaderboard the winner is seems likely to be either scotty scheffler or cam smith Uh, scheffler is ridiculously hot he's won i think three of the last five or six tournaments cam smith he's also won his last time out uh so that should be a really interesting uh head-to-head battle between these two guys in the in the final pairing yeah Scheffler is the six reigning number one to lead or co-lead entering the final round of the Masters and four of those previous five uh that I just mentioned went on to win so pretty good odds there in that final day you're right it really does look like a a two-man race as cool as it was um to kind of see Tiger Woods out there and and see his comeback sort of so to speak um he's how old now he's 47 Around there? About right 40, there? 46, 47, yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just watching him um, to be able to play at really any level, um, I think we all know you know, he's not going to be the world's number one uh, ranked player anymore, uh, but just watching him has obviously uh, stolen a lot of the headlines as well, but um, should be a, a big day in, in the golf land to see what happens there. I have to say that the bucket list sports I've been to, I've been as, as a fan, I've been fortunate to be at a bunch of things. I've been at final fours. I've been at a world series clinching game. Um, you know, I've been at a college football national championship game, things like that. The masters to be at Augusta, that that is way high on the list for me. I don't know how I'm going to get there because it is not the, it's not like you can just go to Ticketmaster and buy the ticket. You need yeah. to know somebody limit, limited amount of patrons that they allow in. I, I I will say I don't know how you would feel. Probably not like me. They take your phone from you, I believe, because yes, and and that would be that feeling would be very very weird. I went to a Dave Chappelle concert a few years ago, and they did the same thing. They make you they they wrap up your phone basically. I, I felt I was definitely having uh, the, the heebie-jeebies, not being able to 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 do that. I'm so addicted. So I don't know how that would be. Yeah. Hopefully the prettiness of the Masters would overwhelm me and I wouldn't worry about it. You definitely have to take a PTO day if you're doing something like that. You got to be totally unreachable. <laughs> you know, you might as well be on an island. You know, that's where you definitely got to take a, a, a day of leave. But Or you could cover it for the athletic and they'd probably let you have your phone on you. 
Good point. Good point. Yeah, but see, if I'm going to go do that, I don't want to. I want to. I, I want to enjoy it. I don't want to yeah. work. I mean, I, I've done. It's one thing to cover. You know, if the team, the Commanders, actually made the Super Bowl. You know, like I, that's fine. It would be fun to cover that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. If I'm going to the Masters, that would be purely a. I just want to be here and take it all in and not worry about my deadline. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And you know that for me, I want to see the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. That's like on my list. Do you have the outfit ready? Like, do you, no. are you going full out? I definitely would go full out. You have to go, I think, full out. But I, I would love to go to that. I heard that's like not very fun to cover from a media standpoint. Um, but I would love to go. It's on my list of things I want to go. Well, I, heard, I love horse racing. I heard the competitors not great quotes. Good one. Uh, that that is that is tops on my list of things to go to. I've been to a lot of sporting events, but um, I think that would be awesome. I went to the Preakness a couple times in the infield. Uh, that would be the opposite of the experience that you're talking about. It was rainy. It was gross. It's the it's it's like Twitter comes to it's like Twitter coming to life, but like you're around everybody. It is really uh, low. Bro- it is the low brow. It's fun. It's just a very lowbrow opposite of what it is to be at the Kentucky Derby in the stands and dress and and do that whole nine yards. Yeah, that would be that'd be a lot of fun. I think I think Wimbledon is also pretty high on yeah. my list. I've always wanted to go uh, do that. The, the one off things. I mean, like I've been to an Olympics, but the only one I went to was here in Atlanta. I feel like I still didn't go. Yeah. Like I need <laughs> I need to go to the Olympics in you know Barcelona or somewhere that's like a different country. Totally, uh, totally. And you know what? Um, let us know. You only got one more segment to talk to Brent and Ben, 800-636-1067, um, what you want to go to, what's on your bucket list. Uh, maybe it's just a baseball game. For some people, it's all all 30 baseball stadiums. That's a pretty common thing as well. That's something that um, is really tough, I think, for the average fan to pull off. It's a really cool thing. I have been to all of them, but then they keep messing with it, you know, and adding a new one. Um, so there's a constant constant issue there is that big in the nfl as well do, do you meet fans or hear about fans a lot who want to go to all 30 stadiums yeah i guess i guess so i mean like especially if you want to travel with your team it's a thing i mean baseball stadiums are much more unique the football ones obviously it all is effectively the same the the the, the ambiance can be different but the the field of play is all the same whereas baseball you know yeah it's all obviously fenway park is in wrigley field the the, the ultimate examples this is how different it can be but yeah, sure, it's it's a little bit of, of that. I think there's a, a something to be to be said. Uh, I am not going to get to all thirty. I, I've been to, in fact, all my list are ones that are no longer exist. I've been to. I was at Three River Stadium. I was at the old Tiger Stadium. I was yeah. at the old Yankee Stadium. Uh, I, I have. What about football? Are you getting close? No, I, I've only you know I've only been a full time on the beat now for three years. So I'm probably I haven't done the math. Probably maybe halfway through. But like it all depends on you know we. You get to go to almost every stadium over the course of one season. I need to play out several seasons before we even get to some of these places. Or like the divisions we only play once every four years. We may be eight years before I actually get to go to the road game at that place. So it'll it'll be a minute. We'll, 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 we'll work on it. We'll work, work on, on it. it. Awesome. Awesome. Squad goals. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of squad goals, uh, give us a few minutes. Stick with us. We have one more segment from this squad. Um Going to leave you with some baseball talk, maybe with some commanders, maybe with a with potpourri of topics, if you will, for our last few minutes. Fritcheroli, Ben Standing here with you on 106.7 The You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're supposed to be talking, but no, you were into the music. I respect that. It's a good it's a good one for sure. It's a great Sunday morning. It is a great Sunday morning. We got Nationals baseball starting 135. You can hear that right here on 1067 The Fan playing the Mets. Carlos Carrasco facing Eric Fetty, Fetty both making their season debuts. Uh, Nats still looking for their first win of the season. Big news, as I mentioned last segment. Hunter Harvey, former first-round pick for the Orioles, uh, came up today in a roster move. He's going to add to that depleted Nationals bullpen, um, see if he can help them along a little bit there. Um, in my view, this is kind of a must-win for the Nationals. Um, you know, it's hard to lose four games in a row to the same team. They also go to Atlanta after this uh, reigning World Series champions. Uh, I think, you know, having that happy flight uh, in baseball is important, uh, getting that first win out of the way for a team that, that's filled with a bunch of inexperience. Um, and then, of course, the fans who have, have come out um, in droves for this first opening day weekend. So much has been packed into this, Ben. We saw... Max Scherzer make his return to D.C. He pitched against D.C. for the first time in nearly 12 years, which is just crazy, right? Because before this, of course, he was with the Tigers. Uh, Tigers, as the American League team, don't often come to Washington. He spent seven seasons here in D.C., and it was very um, it was very emotional, I think, for Scherzer and his family. They had the tribute video done by the Nationals on Thursday night. Uh, I did run into uh, Scherzer's wife, Erica, uh, here with his family. Uh, They came to Thursday night's game, um, kids in tow, rain delay and all, to see that tribute, and obviously were in attendance Friday uh, when he beat the Nationals. Uh, Went six innings, gave up three earned runs despite dealing with a hamstring injury. You mentioned Scherzer. This reminds me, this was something I meant to address earlier. We've obviously had a lot to talk about here on the show. The last time we talked... I pose the question is, would the Max Scherzer eyes board be still at Nats Park? You at that point, despite being a renowned investigative journalist, had, were not aware yet at that point. You've now been in the ballpark. I still have no idea. I can't imagine it's there, but I don't know what they did instead of it. So what's what, what's going on? Or do we got Steven Strasburg eyes? Like, what do we got going on? Uh, no, uh, they obviously took down the right field wall uh, there. The Scherzer eyes are gone. Uh, there is no Strasburg eyes. No, they they do have a Strasburg uh, banner in the outfield along with Juan Soto. Um, all of the Max stuff is pretty much gone. If you walk that main concourse, they still have you know stuff from his no hitters, his twenty strikeout game, and I'm okay with that. That stuff should stay. Those are moments in time. Um, you shouldn't have 
know, parts of your ballpark permanently um, that kind of signify a Met, which is what Scherzer is now. But, you know, I'm okay within the concourse remembering what he was, which was a huge part of the Washington Nationals. This is a guy who people assume is pretty much a surefire Hall of Famer, Ben. And there's a good chance after seven seasons with the Nationals that he goes in with the Nationals hat. Yeah, I guess I had not contemplated that he wouldn't. Obviously, he had success before here, but one wins the World Series. I felt like his best pitching of his career was happening here, so I guess I was not assuming it would have been anything else, but maybe there is more of a debate there. This didn't feel like a Mike Mussina where it was like completely up in the air, uh, and I feared the worst. But, uh, yeah, I assumed it would be Washington. or people questioning that? Detroit people, I assume? Uh, maybe, except like you said, he had two Cy Youngs here. He won a World Series. I think it's six or seven all-star teams um, in the time that he was here. I don't think it's, you know, in Detroit, people forget like that rotation that he was part of. Also had Justin Verlander. Also had David Price. Um, he was a, a guy. He was a very good part of their team. But when he came to D.C., he was the guy, right? Um, Strasburg, you, know, you never knew if he was injured or not injured and and you knew that Max Scherzer was going to take that ball more often than not. He pitched through so many injuries um, and would just end up having Cy Young seasons or you know, 300 strikeouts. And I think you know when you think about um, his career, a lot of people are going to associate him with Washington, D.C. Mike Rizzo, GM Mike Rizzo, got absolutely killed at the time for signing him to that contract. People said it was the worst deal in sports. And you know, it turns out that it ends up being... One of the most team-friendly free agent pitcher contracts. People thought is. it was the worst deal in sports. People just crushed that deal. Oh come on! I I can't. I mean, look, I I recognize a bad contract having covered the <laughs> woke the local football team and the basketball team. I I I mean, uh, no, that that didn't seem. The only thing I remember was like all that deferred money stuff and like that how that trend has continued and how what you know whether or not that is problematic for how the Nationals are doing business, but. Yeah, that that he it obviously worked out great for everybody involved. That the Nationals definitely got their money's worth, and you never know how these things go. But no, that did not seem to me like in the real time a worst of all time contender. Yeah, it was that winter ranked as the worst signing that winter by uh, Jason Stark, who works with us at the Athletic. He was at ESPN at the time, uh, very well respected Hall of Famer in his own right. Um, just to give you an idea, people were pretty universally panning it. So. Um, I think it was a cool moment. It was cool to have closure on the Scherzer chapter for everyone. Nats fans are obviously going to see him a lot because he is in the division still. And I thought that the Nationals handled it well this weekend. Um, I thought Scherzer handled it well this weekend in, in kind of uh, closing that chapter. And fans gave him an ovation. Uh, it was a really cool moment to see, um, especially because of all he's done for this this city and this organization. Absolutely. I mean, whenever... <laughs> at- when I would cover Nats games, primarily for the Associated Press, you know, every game is important, but when the, there's the potential for a no-hitter, like, the, you have to do different things when you're on that beat, and every, it's it's incredibly, incredibly rare to to think that I may be witnessing true history at any given game, beyond just the fact that the game itself is, is history, but when Scherzer would pitch, the, the potential for the no-hitter or the massive strikeout performance always existed and that 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 just goes to the say how not just good he was from his height but how consistently good he was that you believed every game we might be getting something truly special and it said a lot um about what he did here 
for the Nationals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people are questioning now, like, does he have anything left in the tank? He's 37. And I think Nats fans who watched him all these years screaming and swearing and grunting um, have no question that he's got a little more left in the tank. And it'll be, uh, I think, bittersweet to watch him and watch uh, what he ends up doing in these next couple of years here in New York. But, you know, certainly the Nats turning the page now. They've got some young talent. They've got some guys that I think they feel good about. Caber Ruiz um, has pretty much been the only guy consistently hitting these first couple games, Ben. Um, He's the catcher they got from the Dodgers in that Scherzer trade. Um, He's been exciting to watch. He threw out a guy um, earlier in the series as well. I I think he's somebody that, you know, if you're a Nats fan and you're looking for hope, um, obviously Kate Cavalli is coming. Um, There are some pieces to feel good about. And I I think, you know, depending on how these young pieces perform, it could hopefully be – a fairly quick rebuild in Washington. Well, we'll see about that. Obviously, we, it's only three games into the year, so we'll see how this year plans uh, pans out. You sp- speaking of hope, just to touch on a couple other topics around town that we don't typically get to here. Um, the WNBA draft is tomorrow night. The Wizards, or the Wizards, the Mystics had the first pick. They traded out. They now have the third pick. We'll see what kind of talent they get to add there to see if they can help. Uh, Elena Deladon and Natasha Cloud get back to the contender ranks. Uh, George Washington University, stone's throw from where we're at. They're introducing their new head coach tomorrow, Chris Caputo. Um, uh, as, as people who follow me, of course, and pay attention to everything I tweet on Twitter, I tweeted a few weeks ago when when he was the assistant at Miami, that Miami made the Sweet 16, that he was in the mix previously for GW, so to keep an eye on him, bingo, your boy got that one fairly right. So he's the new coach. That introduction is tomorrow and then of course speaking of hope there's always the nfl draft uh usc is holding their pro day this week specifically for drake london the talented wide receiver who could be in play at 11 i think we'll see ron rivera there which again as i talked about earlier when ron rivera goes to a pro day it's a sign that he's pretty interested in a player so if we do in fact see him there it definitely means you should be keeping an eye on drake london at 11 assuming that he's available for washington he Rivera also went to Ohio State and Cincinnati. So I think those guys get on the short list as well. Their top prospects like Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. So hope is in the air, Britt. I mean, obviously it's been a rough uh, 24 or so hours in this town um, with, with, with the tragic loss of Dwayne Haskins. Um, the, 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 the play of life goes on one way or the other and these things are going to you know the these other events will happen and you remember the losses but you know you also have to keep moving forward as best you can and uh you know there will be other things happening here with these teams that we uh, all care about yeah if you uh are just tuning in or missed it we had uh john kine from espn who uh really familiar with him haskins at ohio state um as well and so he gave us so much good insight into who he is as a human being uh, check that out. Uh, you can check all all of this out always at Odyssey. Um. Um, all right. So here's the deal. Fun fact: We're actually I, I we we've been we've been making this up. We're actually not getting off the air at noon. We're going to keep talking for a little bit. <laughs> so here's the deal: We're going to come back. We'll, uh, you can call us 800-636-1067. The fan. Uh, we'll talk Nats. We'll talk Commanders. We'll talk whatever you want. Ben Ben Standing Britcheroli on one zero six seven. The fan. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.